All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everyone. How are you? You don't. All right, well, I hope you got to enjoy some of the sun this past week. It was pretty great. Maybe you got out there with the water hose like my son did. But uh, that makes for a pretty good afternoon, getting wet in the sun. All right, for those of you um, that are receiving the offering, go ahead and come forward. Thank you so much for your faithful giving. Try to remind you here that um, uh, we do have our text-to-give option. makes it super easy, and uh, that's just one of the easiest ways we do giving. And uh, so I'd love to help you set that up if you haven't already you don't know how. So thank you again for your faithful giving today. All right, a few announcements for you. Um, on the back of your worship guide, you'll see uh, several important announcements. I did talk about last week that uh, we have made a partnership with Westside Church of Christ to use their building on Sunday evenings. And so uh, we're setting a goal for May 20th to be the uh, first Sunday evening that we are meeting at Westside. Um, and we also will be having a um, multi-purpose room that we'll have the whole month, so uh, getting that together as far as what that'll look like and how you'll be able to use it and access it, so we're working on that for you as well. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. I'll send you more information as I get it. Um, also, remember, we do have our um, annual church business meeting. Once a year, uh, we do get together as a whole church, and we kind of go over a financial report, yeah, so you know where things are at. Also, our budget for um, the following year, and so you know kind of what's where we're headed. And also, I'm going to talk about a few things we're planning for the summer uh, through our kind of change here to this community that we're going to be moving into. So you uh, don't want to miss that. And this is for everybody in the church. This is a family event. In addition, on May 6th, um, I'm going to try to make that meeting as short as possible. This will be your chance to tour the West Side space. So this will be your chance to be there, uh, be able to see the building. We'll kind of walk around. Um, it won't be ready yet for the things that we want to do. Uh, but we're working on it, so you'll be able to see, you know, kind of where you're going to be. Uh, you'll see the different kids' classrooms we'll have and um, our multi-purpose room and just how massive kind of the, <laughs> this auditorium is, and you'll be able to obviously drive in and see the neighborhood that we're going to be uh, a part of. So this is for everybody. May 6th, Sunday night. Uh, I'm actually going to be at 4 o'clock. It's a little bit earlier, but 4 o'clock. So that's Sunday, 4 o'clock. I'm at the West Side Church. Uh, we'll have our short meeting, and then you're going to have a chance to kind of walk around and check out the space, and so it'll be really good for you to be able to be there. And then May 20th, we're still shooting for May 20th uh, to be there, all right? This is a really great time, uh, opportunity and time for our church, okay? Uh, one more quick thing. Um, I have talked with several of you who have expressed interest in church partnership. Uh, that's what I term church membership, really becoming a partner in the church, a partner in our vision to help people, um, a partner in... Uh, the serving that goes on here, the giving that goes on here, the care for we have for others. Um, we want more people doing that and a part of that. And so we'd love for you to take that step. Now, I had a few partnership meetings where I can answer all your questions. Maybe you weren't able to attend. Uh, you can reach out to me if you're interested. I've got some paper applications or I can email you um, a digital version. And so if you, can, if I, if you, I did send one to you that you asked for it, and this week, you, uh, please get it back to me this week. And so we will welcome you in as partners um, that Sunday, next Sunday for the meeting as well. Okay, it's a pretty good step for the church. All right? All right, let's talk about lying. No one cheered? Not one person? No one? Yeah. I know that over these last few Sundays, I've challenged you to look within. 
I've challenged you to be honest with yourself and honest really with God. That's what I'm really hoping for in regards to some of these things that we just naturally believe about our, ourselves and our, our lives, and we just kind of continue on with it. We talked about the lie that we tell ourselves that I'm okay. Uh, we don't want to consider that, man, there's some hurt there. there. We need some help. We talked about this lie that we often tell ourselves that I won't do it again. Maybe you've said something and hurt someone deeply and you feel the pain of that. Man, I will never call that person that name again. Or maybe it's some kind of a thing you do, like an addiction or something, and it messed something up. And, oh, man, I will never do that again. Or you relate to work because, I mean, I will never do it again. I won't. And we have to recognize that we don't have the power to say I won't. We only have the opportunity to invite God's power and his grace in our lives. Or we say that I got this. And we want to say that I, I've got this. I mean, I've got a handle on, um, you know, leading this family. I've got a handle on this job that I got. You know, we oftentimes will pray and ask God for help to find a job, but then when we get a, get a job, we stop asking for God's help. I got this, you know. I've got this retirement plan set up. I, I, I've got this thing going on that well, this will all work, and I've got this. Instead of just falling on our faces before God and saying, God, I don't got this. I, I need you. I'm asking you to do these incredible things. And, and today we're going to talk about this one. We often tell ourselves this, you know, not in sense of like I love or myself, but we tell other people as I love you, other people that I love you, or I could say I love him or I love her. But the reality is this is actually a lie that we've convinced ourselves about. Here's how I know. If you're in a situation, maybe you're married or maybe you're thinking about with your parents or maybe thinking about with a sibling or thinking to a friend or even a coworker. Oftentimes, when this right here is challenged, we get so defensive. Like maybe it's in your marriage and, you know, maybe a spouse says something to challenge this idea that you don't love them, right? This idea that we, we of course I love you. Why, why I do all these things for you? You don't think I love you? Or, of course I love you. All these things going on, I, I, I'm committed to you. I say all these nice things to you. Of How dare you challenge this? See, we've convinced ourselves that we love other people so well, right? And we're not open to how God may want to be challenging us and asking us to grow and how we can love others better. See, we're so convinced in it. Of course I love my parents. What? Are you kidding right now? Of course I do. And we get defensive in those moments when maybe something comes up to challenge that. So this is a lie that we tell ourselves that we are convinced of. Instead of being open to maybe, I need to consider, God, how can I love this person better? Of course I love my neighbors. I haven't burned their house down, so of course I love my neighbors, right? The reality is, is we haven't even considered that, that maybe we could love uh, people that are literally in our lives better, okay? Here's why this is so important. Here's why this is so important to make this a priority in your life is because is this one truth that has, for me, definitely changed my life. Every one of us has someone that needs our love. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has someone that needs, and maybe you can argue once, okay, that needs your love. God's plan was that you would embody his message and who he is and would love others in this world. 
There's actually people that need your love. Maybe they don't need your money. Maybe they don't need this. Or maybe they don't need that for you. But they need your love. Think about a world in which the people that need your love actually get your love. The opportunity for your coworkers to receive love from you. The opportunity from the family that you have, whether they're young kids or older kids, that that family needs your love. I know that we want, they want your gifts, especially during Christmas time, right? They want those things from you, but they absolutely need your love. Think about the opportunity, church, in the world that you live in that needs your love. And yet we will lie to ourselves and tell ourselves we're already doing a really great job in loving people. Do you see that? We've convinced ourselves that I don't need a little bit more work on how to be a better, love my, par- love my parents better. That I don't need any more work on loving my spouse better. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm good. Okay? Right? The fact that we stay together should be good to you. Good be enough for you. Right? Right? We have this attitude. You know, your grow- kids get older. Right? Listen, I've been loving them. I've stayed up at night. I've done all these things to them. I've already paid my price. I've already got a deposit here in the bank. I'm good. I don't need this anymore when they're uh, a, a, a teenager, 16, 17. Okay, I've already loved them, right? Instead of recognizing that this is the world that God has given me, this is the people God has given me, right? How often at work do we say, I've done my duty? I've done the bare minimum. I've done my job description. When I have my annual review, I'll be good to go. They'll talk about my skills. They'll talk about my abilities. Talk about what I've accomplished, all the good things that I've done. But have I loved the people that I actually work with? Have I learned to love them better? I want to raise a standard today. Many of you maybe have worked at your company or your job, wherever you work, five 10 years, maybe you're in a newer job and you have 10, 20 years ahead of you, who knows? And I want you one day when you look back on that 10, 5, 20 years of that company before you leave it to go to the next or retire, if that's what you do, to look back and say, and say I just didn't do well, I loved well. That's not going to be on your job description. You won't get a bonus for that, okay? You're not going to get promoted for that, maybe in some ways, but, but this is what God calls us to do because every one of us has someone that needs our love. So we want to look at loving better today, right? So before we read this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> I want us again to take a moment. I know you're rushed to get here. You've got five things going on. Spilled your coffee on the way here. Forgot this. The, uh, this. the oven's probably still on right now. Some of you forgot. I mean, all this stuff's going on. You're worried about tomorrow, the bills that's got going on, the things that people need from you, that all these different things that are going on. Let's take a moment. In this holy place, and the word holy is defined in Scripture as a set-apart place. This is set-apart for God. And while this school is used for students and gym and basketball during, this, during the week right now, this place is going to be used by God for you to be in a moment, where you can, in a place where you can be honest. Where you can honestly take a look at it if you have lied to yourselves that you love people enough in your life. We're going to take a moment to say, God, I just want to put my heart on you right now. No other distractions is upon you. Lord, right now, I haven't even thought about loving anybody better in my life, but right now, I want to give you a chance, God. I want to give you a chance to transform something in my heart. God, right now, we just take a moment. We set aside every distraction, every expectation even of others, 
And Lord, we just want to focus on you right now. Lord, we want to consider this one lie that we've convinced ourselves with, that we do love so-and-so enough, that we're so good at it that we don't need any help with it, that we don't need to grow in it. There's no challenge there. Lord, right now, we just give you our hearts, and Lord, would you heal us? Lord, we want to be honest with ourselves and with you today, and we want to love people better, God, no matter how challenging it may be. Lord, I pray right now for defensiveness to be, to be just gone. And I pray, Lord, the guards we have, that we start getting into argument mode when somebody challenges how much we love them or we don't love them enough and all these different things. Lord, right now, this is about you. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place to help us with our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is a very common passage of Scripture. Uh, Jesus is replying to Sadducees and Pharisees who are asking him a, a question, trying to kind of trick or test him. It says this, one of them, an expert in the law, tests him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Well, that's easy, good deal. <laughs> Verse 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I find this so powerful. In this moment where Jesus is asked this question, I mean, he could have really said anything. And his reply comes from um, this, uh, what they would recognize being a quotation from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy. And Moses is considered like this one giving the law from God. And there's, the children of Israel receive these laws um, really as a way to kind of identify themselves as the people of God, to provide some separation. There's a lot of ceremonial laws about being unclean and so forth. And sometimes you get kind of bogged down in that without recognizing the big picture is God was trying to give them some identifiers that would, that would show this people group as separate, just like God is separate, okay? And so they ask about this law because there's so many laws and so many things, commands that are given, like how do you rank these things and trying to trick him? And Jesus really reduces it in a way to these two big things, right? that he quotes uh, Deuteronomy when Moses is gi giving this law, and the Lord says to, to love him, your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind, okay? This is really important that he, Jesus puts this at kind of the top here, that this can ultimately explain it all. Secondly, um, he says to love your neighbor as yourself. Man, if it only could, only could just be about God, it'd be fine, but that's why we're talking about the lie, what we've convinced ourselves today. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's a quotation from Le Leviticus 19.18. Uh, and this is all about um, loving each other and getting these laws and these parameters of how to follow God and be his people. And that essentially will change how you interact with others. And this is about, and the quotation from Leviticus is about, I'll just read it here real quick here, do not seek revenge or bear grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Isn't that interesting? It, as Jesus talks about this, they would understand this idea that loving our neighbors is letting a debt go. Loving our neighbors is not just letting it go, but letting it go because of the Lord. Because of who he is, who he's been to these people, well, they recognize and see and learn, but it's because of God that you would let this go and you would ultimately trust God with justice. You would trust God with right and wrong. In the powerful moment of love, when you let the debt go and trust God with the results, right? That's <clears throat> the first thing we learn in this kind of passage as Jesus talks about this is Jesus makes a connection with the vertical. He doesn't just talk about the horizontal. 
right? He makes this connection with the horizontal or the, with the vertical, that this is really your basis for loving others. Now, I don't think you have to be a Christian to be nice to people or to love people and so forth, but what Jesus is trying to get them to recognize is that God ultimately is this real source of it. And as you love him, the natural connection is to love others. Loving God, the vertical, is actually the basis for the horizontal, right? He says this, that this is actually necessary. Boy, we probably would have been fine with Jesus ending at loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Good. That's awesome. I mean, that's incredible. But Jesus talks about this idea of loving your neighbor as necessity, as, as important as loving God. It kind of all goes together because ultimately God is love, right? And so what happens is this lie that we tell ourselves, right, we constantly have to take a look at it. I constantly have to take a look at how I'm loving my wife. I constantly have to take a look at how I'm loving my kids. I constantly have to take a look at how I'm loving my coworkers. I constantly have to look at the debts that I hold in my life, okay? I constantly have to look at what my neighbor, which doesn't necessarily your physical neighbor, it could be your physical neighbor next door, which frankly, most of us don't even talk to our neighbors. We just go into our house and that's it. But you got your neighbor in that cubicle at work, okay? You got that neighbor in carpool line, okay? You've got that neighbor in your groups, right, that you're a part of, or your kids' soccer team. You're, you've got your neighbor in other uh, social events you go to, maybe family events as well, right, that I have to constantly look at this as a Christ follower, that I'm constantly looking at how I can love people in my life better. This is one of my favorite quotes. Um, this is one of the devotionals uh, that I read often, and this really stuck out to me. This is Paul David Tripp, uh, pastor and teacher. He says, love is more than being nice to people. It's loving God above all else so that you love people as he commands you to do, right? Isn't that powerful? Man, that I love God so much. It's so powerful, my love for him, above all else in my life or what this world could give me, that he's enough, right? That I love him so much that I could actually let the debt go in people's lives that I could actually reach across to someone of a different color, a different race, a different ethnicity, right? That I could actually connect with someone that I would never be at the table with, right? To do it the way Jesus did. That I could actually, whether it's five years of marriage or 15, that I would take a look at and not say, I'm done. Whether it's five years of parenting or 30 years of parenting, that you don't say, oh, I'm done. You're constantly like, how, how can I live better in this season? How can I love this person better in this new season that we're in? How do I love this person and my, uh, uh, this new coworker that I have that I'm constantly looking at because I love him so much? I never settle for the lie that I'm convinced that I love people so well that I don't need help with it. I never want to be convinced of that lie. I always want to be looking at God. I want to love you so much more, and, and because of that, I want to love others so much more. Right? That I love you so much, it's so powerful that this could happen in people. <clears throat> this is what Paul writes about love, and this is very another common passage that 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes, is that love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it doesn't, it's not proud, it's not, doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, church, let it be said of us. Our family members, that let it be said of us that they would say this about us. I had a long way to go. Okay? 
Let it be said of your co- let it let it be said of you of your coworkers that your coworkers say, man, I, he's great at his job, but man, this he's always there, right? These are all action words that we care about God so much that it turns into action for us to do towards others. Okay, so I'm just gonna put all these up here. Okay, if we would be honest with ourselves and not believe this lie that we are convinced that we're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't need any help. I'm good. I, I've been doing this thing for a while, or, you know, I've, yeah, I've figured it out, whatever. Or we think, oh, everybody likes me, right? So I don't need any work. There's no crisis right now. Nobody's complaining even about how I love them or care for them, right? Nobody, no, my coworkers are complaining about what I'm doing to them, right? Nobody's complaining, so I'm not thinking about it, right? Most of us live our lives where we have to put fires out, and fires kind of, I just start defining our life. And I'm encouraging you to start kind of considering, well, and it's not just about the fires. I want to be concerned about what God's concerned about. And, and what God is concerned about sometimes doesn't come up as a fire. God is concerned about you loving your neighbor. And so God's going to be concerned with these things right here. If you stop believing the lie, then you'll start acting because you love God so much. This is what love does. You can see this in the life of Jesus. And you will see this in in just the theology of Scripture, the story of God, right? And because he is love and it's rooted in him, that these things should be a part of things we consider as we love, whether it's a spouse, a child, adult child, whether it's a parent, uh, maybe you're older and trying to figure out how to love your parents, right? That this is... Pieces of this should be there and your coworkers even at work or your other uh, uh, friends or family, right, extended family. Or even in our church, I wonder if some of these are true, okay? Let me go over these real quick here. This idea of seeking out someone. How awesome does it feel to get asked out on a date? See what I'm saying? How good does it feel to be alone and someone invited you to sit with them, right? How good does it feel to be knowing that you maybe don't deserve to be someplace and you were invited. Anybody get ever invited to a dinner and you realize, oh my goodness, I don't even know why I'm here, <laughs> right? Man, I got invited to so-and-so's party. That's pretty great. I don't even know why I'm here, right? Doesn't that feel good? You seek out someone. How often in our marriages do we almost crave this? That we would consider, oh, we got someone married. We're married, so we're good, right? We're together. We signed on the dotted line, right? But we crave this in, in, our, in our relationship with our spouse, that they would just seek us out, right? But I'm married. We're good. We've believed a lie. When's the last time you've made your spouse feel like you sought them out, right? The things that don't have to happen, right? That you sought them out. It happens in a work relationship, too. You know, I tell the story of when I was working at a bank, you know, I was kind of drowning in the sales numbers and all that and doing a terrible job, and was, uh, it was difficult for me to, Christ, to be a Christ-like witness when I hated my job. But anyway, that's another story. I just remember this thing. I heard it was my, uh, one of my coworkers' birthdays, and I didn't necessarily love the guy or anything. I just knew that I'm supposed for us to love my neighbor. I heard it was his birthday, and so I was like, hey, man, you know, Let's plan our lunches together tomorrow, and I'll you know, take you out to lunch for your birthday. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's going to believe it. He worked at this branch probably 10 years, and nobody had ever done that for him. I just found out on his birthday, and I sought him out. He didn't sit next to me. I had to see, I'd actually walk over a few cubicles. <laughs> he said, hey, man, let's go to lunch. And so we, 
I don't know, probably cost five bucks for lunch or something, and I sought him out. I will tell you this, that I had known him for a couple months at that point, and then from then on, our relationship changed. And I thought, in fact, what did I do? Spend five bucks? What I did was I sought him out. For our kids, if you've got uh, kids that are older, in high school maybe, I know you think they don't need this anymore. I know you think that they don't got time for you, you're not cool enough, or they don't want to be seen with you, and, and all those different things, but let me tell you, this is an innate human need. Your older child is looking for you to seek them out. Wow, mom and dad took off work just to find me, wherever I may be. That's cool, right? If you got younger ones to do the same thing, younger ones kind of, younger kids kind of get lost in the chaos of a home and of all these things. And they're like, hey, I'm going to just spend time with you, right? They sought him out. Secondly, sacrificing for someone. Everyone should start thinking about these things. When I say sacrifice, I don't mean in the sense of um, being, feeling like you're, it's, uh, you're being forced to do it. This is a willing sacrifice for someone. Have you ever had someone that has sacrificed something for you and you realize, wow, you were doing that and I didn't really have much to do with it? Oftentimes we think about our parents that sacrifice so much, right? Or we think about sometimes we get angry at our parents and they feel like they didn't sacrifice enough, you know? But this idea of sacrifice, what have you sacrificed for someone? You know, we talked about this during um, our uh, Christmas season. We talked about the Advent conspiracy and instead of just, you know, buying something online and, and sending to somebody for Christmas, but to actually sacrifice some time and make something. Okay? Like to actually come together and make a card for someone. How powerful is that? They sacrifice time. Or I know money is a sacrifice, but we think about things that we can sacrifice. So some of these are active. And didn't Jesus do this for us? Right? Did he sacrifice for us? So think about when's the last time with that uh, someone in your family, maybe it's a coworker that you felt like you, hey, you actually sacrificed. You stay with someone. This is the faithful piece. And the idea of Scripture is that through Scripture, Jesus, uh, the, the God the Father is the one that is consistent and faithful and stays with us through our ugliness and our mess and our mistakes and our hurt and our shame and our guilt and all that. He stays, 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 stays. We desire, and love is a part of this, we desire someone just to stay with us to be after us, even when we're fools, right? To be after us when we do awful things, when we're after us when we're shameful and nobody else wants to touch us. To be after us, right? Just to stay with us. I found whether you're a believer or not, especially when it comes to marriage, it's hurtful when someone doesn't stay with you, right? Think about how we can love someone better. Are you just convinced of the lie that you're good? How can you stay with someone through their mess, their difficulty, and their trial. I'm asking this church as a group here, forget your relationships for a second about home or work. I mean, like right here, are you sticking with people through the tough times? Or is that not even on the table? Like how would you describe a relationship with someone in this church with the idea of stay or faithful or together? That's one of the reasons why I talk about in our partnership meeting about being a partner in the church is I'm asking you to stay with somebody. See. I'm asking you to commit to this body in the sense of sense that you would care for the body, that you would be with somebody through the up and downs of life because that is every one of our lives, the up and down, the challenge of suffering. Will someone stay with you through it? Could you have a friend in this church for 10 years? Could you have, stay with someone through even maybe they're not giving much back to you? Could you just stay with them the difficulty? How many of you know that when we go through a difficult time when we're shameful in our sin, what we do is isolate and run? Don't we do that? We do that from the body. 
We need people that will seek us out, that will stay faithful to us. Submit to someone, right? This is a piece of this idea of like, listen, uh, um, in Scripture we, we learn this idea is that loving Jesus and loving him is, is obeying his commands, is his teaching. And out of this flows this idea is that I want to submit to the interests of others, right? That I want to submit all my power, my skills, and my abilities for the benefit and the interests of another. I think from a family situation, and, you know, for me, I'm not a very creative person, right? So I'm, I don't have those skills really to offer my family, but there are some other strengths that I have that I want to submit these strengths to my family, right? How can I take my, you know, I kind of love finances, and I read a lot about this stuff and all these different things. How can I teach my kids this and, and submit to their benefit those things that I know and my skills that I have, right? I'm not really a builder or whatever. I don't know how to build things, but I know some people will come into their home and are like, oh, man, yeah, I build those cabinets. I built it, my kid's bed, right? I, I built this, right? It's like you're submitting what you have to the interests of others. And when you do that for people, people feel loved. And lastly, this powerful one is just surrender to someone. You know, it's not just your skills that you submit to others. You also surrender some hurtful things to others. I surrender my selfishness to others. See, when I consider that all the money that I have is not mine, but it's God's that I can surrender to him for him to use. That $5 I spent on this guy at work to take him out to lunch for his birthday, you know, that was me surrendering all that's mine, right? Surrendering my selfishness. That $5 could have got me an extra thing of this or that, right? Why would I ever give anybody anything? Well, the idea is that I want to surrender to someone. I want to surrender to your interests. I want to, I want to surrender these things in my life. I, I think in the context of really any workplace that you are, if you're on a team at work, I mean, at some point, you guys can know the selfless person in the, person in the room. Can't you? Think about your coworkers for a second. Don't say any names. Right? You know the person that doesn't surrender. You know the person that always makes everything about them. You know the person that will never surrender their schedule for your sake. You know that person. That's the selfish person. I don't want that to be you. I want you to be the person when you think, man, who, who's the one that I should like get selfless here? We'll give things away. We'll make, uh, make sacrifices. That's the person I want you to be in those, in working at home, okay? Your opportunity, church. Your opportunity, church, is to embody God, Jesus Christ, and his people. So we are um, making this change, and one of the things why we love this change we're doing to uh, meet at this other church on, on Sunday evening is that this church is located in a community. It's literally houses around it. <clears throat> and we love this because we have an opportunity to give love to people who need our love. See, this is an opportunity to give people the love they actually need from us. We will have an opportunity to have new people in our body. Will you love them? Right? We'll have an opportunity to do some, actually some things um, at the park there to connect with kids that Pastor Aaron's going to start doing. We'll have an opportunity to give love to, and for people to feel this love who actually need it. That they may never have had anybody that has sought them out. That may never they have anybody who stayed with them. Who knows what how broken home some of these kids will come from, right? They've never had somebody sacrifice or surrender something to them. Are you kidding right now, right? We have that opportunity, church, and that's why I'm asking you today to consider the lie that you've believed 
I don't need to love my spouse better. There's no crisis. They never complain. I'm good. Right? I, I, I don't need to work on loving my kids better. Nobody's complaining. Nobody's yelling at me. So we're good. We have a peaceful home. All I want is quiet. Peace and quiet. That's all I want as a parent, right? I mean, I don't got to work on this thing that's out of sight and out of mind. I'm only at work Monday through Friday on the weekend. I don't got to deal with these people. I'm going to work on loving them better, right? Or we think we leave a job, and so we feel like, oh, well, I'm done with these people. Think about that one for a second. Who said that? You're done working for them. You're done getting a paycheck from this company. But who says you're done with the people and done loving them? Actually, now that you don't work with them, it may be easier to, to love them, right? We have an opportunity here to not just be light, nice to people, but love God above else. We can actually love people as God commands us to do. So we're going to take a moment here, and ultimately what I'm asking you for, asking for you to do through this whole series is this. This is what I've been asking you to do. We lie to ourselves because we don't trust God, ultimately. We lie to ourselves that I'm okay, I don't need help. I've got this, or I won't do it again. We, we get in this pattern and hurt people over and over and over and over again. We're convinced of these lies in our lives, and ultimately it hurts us, church. I want you to trust Jesus with every area of your life, including those things that you are trying to say you're not okay about, but you don't want to say. Including those areas that you feel like, I got this, I don't need you, God. Right? Those areas that you say, I won't do this again, and you keep doing it over and over and over again. I mean, you got to get out of this cycle. Ultimately, it's this one thing that I want you to do over the, uh, right now I'm going to ask you to do. It's to trust Jesus with your whole life. Maybe for you it's been kind of compartments. Maybe I would even say maybe your obedience to God has been in certain compartments. Well, God, I'm going to obey you with this, but maybe not this. And God, I'm going to work on, you know, my relationship with my spouse maybe, but God, I'm not going to ever talk about my finances with you or ask or pray or ask you for your help. Maybe you've never sat in your car before you enter your job and say, God, would you help me today not get fired? I have, often. <laughs> Maybe you've never sat in your car during your lunch break and said, God, would you help me here? I don't got this. Have you ever prayed when there's no crisis? See, maybe you are the boss. You've got plenty of money and things are going so great and so awesome. But have you, are you still trusting him? I know that it's in crisis when we don't have a job, we cry out to God. But it's in these moments when we have a job, we have an opportunity to say, God, help me. I need you. Maybe right smack dad in the middle of your relationship that, you know, with your family and your kids. You, things are going great again to say, God, I, I don't have this. I admit and I confess I don't have this all together. It's by your grace that this is going on. And God, I need your grace. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. In our community group, I have a young family group. It's one that I lead, and we pray at the end of each, each week. Every week, we pray at the end of it when we meet, God, would you help us? And God, would you help these kids? <laughs> God, would you help us? And God, would you help our kids? We trust you. So right now, church, I want to give you an opportunity. Why don't you go ahead and stand with me today? I want you to be thinking about those lies we've talked about over the month. Have you convinced yourself that you're okay when you're not? Why don't you be thinking about the lie of, God, I, I won't do this again, I promise. Or you tell yourself, I, I won't do this again. I got this. I, I won't do it again. Maybe you need to confess and admit to God you, you, you don't have that kind of power. 
Maybe today you've never prayed, God, uh, man, I don't got this, God. I need your help with all that's ahead. And maybe it's today that you, walking in here, didn't even think about maybe how you're not loving someone well in your life. Right now, here's an opportunity, a holy moment, no distraction, you know, you don't got things going on in the background, you, you know, you're not worried about your kids or not, they're in a safe spot, you're, right now, here's a holy moment between you and God. I'm going to ask you right now to first just be honest with yourself and then honest with God and to just say, God, I have been lying to myself and I don't want a life where I have lied to myself. I want a life where I can trust you with it all. God, I just pray right now all across this room, Lord. I know, God, that there is just an incredible opportunity to love and bless people because there are so many people represented by the people in this room. There are children, there are grandparents, there are coworkers, there are neighbors, there are spouses, there's all kinds of friends, Lord, extended family that are represented by the people here. And we pray right now that our church, Lord, would be free from these lies that we tell ourselves. I pray for healing all across this room, Lord. Lord Jesus, would you heal our hearts? Would you set us free every time we say, I won't do it again, and we do it again. We go back in the cycle, the pattern, the addiction, the habit. Lord Jesus, would you heal us right now and set us free? Lord, right now, for the people in our lives, we haven't even been thinking about it for loving them and being patient and kind and always staying with them, protecting them. And Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would just convict us of people in our lives that we have not been loving towards. Lord, right now, I pray, God, that you would bring someone to mind that we haven't even been thinking about because there's no crisis. Lord, right now, you'd bring someone to, someone to someone's mind right now that who hasn't been complaining, <laughs> you know, that, that hasn't been saying, you're not doing a good job loving me. Lord, right now, that they would even consider someone right now, that, Lord, that they could begin to say, hey, how can I love you better? God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to love this community we're about to move into. Lord, I just pray right now that our church would say, sign up and say yes to seeking out some people. That our church would say yes to surrendering um, our interests for the interests of another, whether it's time or, or whatever else is going on. Lord, that we would submit all our power and our resources, our money, for all those opportunities that you will provide for us to be you and love others in this neighborhood we're moving into. Lord, I pray it for this community in Jesus' name. And church, during these last few songs, I give you this opportunity to respond to as we teach God's word. And so during these last few songs, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to God's word and what you've been hearing these last few weeks. Okay? I want to give you an opportunity, church, to trust Jesus with your whole life. If you have never said, Lord, I want to trust you with my whole life, I surrender everything that I have to you. Help me to walk your way, Jesus. This moment is for you. Maybe it's a sermon two weeks ago that you're thinking about, man, I'm not okay. I need to trust Jesus. Maybe it's the I won't do it again thing. I don't know how to get out of this. You need to trust Jesus today. Maybe it's today's sermon about you're not even thinking about how to love people better, and you need to trust Jesus to help you with that. Today I want to give you an opportunity to trust Jesus with your whole life. 
No more compartments, no more pieces. That you just want to have a relationship with Jesus and let him guide every single thing you do. That you would love him with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole strength. That you've never even maybe prayed that. God, I want to love you with all my heart, all my strength, everything in my life. I surrender and I want to love you, Jesus. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. During these last few songs as we sing and worship, I'm going to be hanging out on the side here like I normally do. I want to pray with you today. I want to help you and lead you in praying uh, to trust your life, your whole life, your whole family, how you, every identity, every hat that you wear, whether it's, you know, a, a manager at work or a uh, whether you're a son, a daughter, a sister, whether you're, you're a parent, whether you're a husband, whether whoever, you know, wherever you are, whether you're a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever you're engaged, whatever it is, that I'm just going to trust you all with it, Jesus. I'm going to give my life to you and trust you with it all. Today is the day, and today is a whole, this is a holy moment, church. During these last few songs, I'm going to hang out on the side here. And if that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to maybe what God's been speaking to you. I want to pray with you and pray together you would trust Jesus with your life.